0: Hello out there in podcast world, I'm Louisa Rorschach, and I am the Brittany
1: Tuft, and this is That 70s Showdown. Five, six, seven, eight. Hanging out, (laughs) down the street, (laughs) the same old thing (laughs) we did last week. Welcome back to that 70s showdown. We have finally returned after a two-week hiatus. That was partially to celebrate and honor the Jewish high holidays, and I hope any of our observant listeners out there had a good conclusion to the year and an easy fast. But we also took our time to, you know, live our lives and (laughs) do our real jobs. We do have those. So to reward you for your patience, we've got a nice long episode, chock full of content, lots of good stuff that we're going to be talking about. So here we are. This is episode (laughs) 4 We're making some progress here.
0: Yay! Only like 116 more episodes to go. Oh, oh God. Ah, so excited. I'm
1: so excited. Actually, I am. Like, I, I'm really. This no, is I am too. I'm Even though a good I think time. like only five people listen to this, including my mother and your brother. Like, I, that doesn't bother me because this is. I'm having a good time. Yeah, that's all that matters. All here. right, that's enough emotion from me. So let's get to the part that's emotionless, when one of us kicks the other's butt. In the 30-second showdown. It's me kicking your butt. Is it? Are you sure about that? <clears throat> Let's find out. All right. I'm going to count you in in three, two, one. We start off this episode once again knowing
0: Jackie is basic. The guys are comparing girls touched up in porn magazines to real girls they go to high school with. Red is bored from factory cutbacks, and Kitty is very frustrated by that. Red would rather work hard than use metaphorical sugar packets, but Bob is much simpler than that. The guys rag on Eric for losing to a girl, which happens to be Donna. The moms and Jackie tell Donna that she's got to conform for a man's ego or she's going to wind up with just cats. Kitty says good marriages don't have scores, realizes she's got to kind of deal with Red and what he's going through. Donna loses on purpose, and Eric is a whiny piss baby. Who still isn't happy. That's just the the end. This is the first time that I've been cut off by you.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, oh my gosh. The first time. Points to Louisa. (laughs) Are you ready for yow's? Uh, I mean Somewhat ready mm, Let me take a deep breath I'll
0: let you take two Air's free
1: Okay, so I'm just going to try to Use my best auctioneer She's got voice. something longer than the Constitution Written here for the 30th <laughs> roundup So I can't wait to see the how far she The Constitution itself actually isn't that long It's all the amendments that, Right, that but make it you have every single amendment listed here For that 70 show
0: I'm excited for you.
1: <laughs> okay. I I'll,
0: uh, I'll give you a count in. In three, two, one.
1: Go. Opens the basement. Eric is being forced to admit that Fonz could beat mm-hmm. up Bruce Lee. Jackie's annoying. Boys compare girls' boobs. And they learn about Pam Macy. Red's fixing the dryer. Kitty's upset that he's fixing stuff that doesn't need fixing. Donna and Eric are playing basketball. Donna wins. Eric is a sore loser. Red wants to fix the table. Kitty's like, "No, you got crazy." And the guys make fun of Eric for losing to Donna and call him a wuss. But Kelso is like, whipped like the Family Pig. Mecca. Red is fixing the table, but it's all uneven. Dinner the Pinciattis. Jackie calls Donna him she never should have. Beat blah 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 blah. blah. Mitch agrees with Jackie. Midge is like, "You need to be weak and fragile because men don't control the world. We gotta tell them what to do." Jackie's gossiping, and then um, Donna and Eric play um, air hockey, and his That's girlfriend. Oh. All right. Well, neither of us finished our recap this week. So. (laughs) That was so sloppy. We both lost. We both lost. Yeah, I totally messed that up. Left out a lot of stuff. Um, There was so much. Well, you know what? I'm just going to keep talking, but at a normal speed. And then that's how we're going to cover all the shit that I didn't manage to say. That's fair. (laughs) Let's try it. Let's try that. Okay. So um, where we left off was Donna challenges Eric to air hockey. Also. Side note, the Hub has an air hockey table. This is the first and last time we see this. I feel like the Hub just has whatever they need for that episode. Which, like, I feel bad for the Hub. (coughs) They need to stop using the Hub like that. The The Hub hub has feelings. The The Hub hub has feelings and should be respected. Even the Vista Cruiser is not as used as the Hub. That poor Hub. But, yeah, so they're at the Hub, and they play air hockey, and the only reason that, like, Eric plays with Donna is because she's like, I think I'm really bad at it. And then he's like, oh, well, in that case... Sure, but then she still kicks his ass, and then he feels like a huge hoos. We'll get into that part later. Um, but Red so like finally gets the table to be level, but it's so low that Kitty says that they're just gonna sit on the floor like those nice Japanese people in flower drum song. Except that movie's about Chinese, not Japanese immigrants. So like way to conflate East Asian cultures, Kitty. But anyway, have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. Classic musical. I've seen it a few times when I was younger, really like it. But, so now Red wants to fix the refrigerator, and Kitty is like, hell no, get away from my refrigerator. Donna wants to play basketball again, but she lets Eric win this time, but he sees through it. So he gets mad, and Kitty tries to give him advice about not being a, a score. Because he's a whiny, piss baby. He is a whiny, piss baby. I'm going to mention that as many times as possible throughout this episode. Valid. But also, like... He he can't make up his mind. Like he doesn't want her to win, but then he gets mad when she intentionally loses.
0: <laughs> I need this baby. Like
1: he's just too much with then kitty. I but mind. Kitty comes in with like the clutch advice of like, look, don't keep score.
0: And it also kind of helps Kitty out with her own issue at that moment as well. Yes. she kind of realizes that Red's going through something, and I got to be there for him.
1: That's very true. But at the same time. Kitty <laughs> kind of loses her patience. with Yes. Um, but Jackie comes to the hub to yell at Kelso, and the guys are telling him to be a man, but he caves into Jackie, and the guys try to shame him, but he wins because he's actually getting some. That's like one of my favorite parts. Is, like, yeah. Anyone I mean, who's realizes, get, like, raise your wait, hand. Anyone who's getting some? Anyone? Like, anyone you don't have a girlfriend. Why Fez? am I listening to you? Yeah. Hide? Oh, neither of you are getting some? Then you can shut the fuck up. That's so, fair, though. Right? Very fair. Like, he can be as pig-whipped as he wants because he's actually getting some. Um, Donna and Eric Apologize to each other Agree not to play games anymore They play anyway And it turns into Like a sexy little Wrestling match On the floor yep. Um, Until Bob calls for Donna And the garage door Opens up And Red says That he's in a teach About <coughs> how to play basketball Until bedtime Which like starts With a hundred squat thrusts Which are really just burpees And that's the devil That's the devil's workout And I'm so sorry I know Eric sucks But like that is horrible I'm glad he has That's to abusive I hope he did two hundred um, Jack is on the phone With Kelso It's really fez so she freaks out about that. Then the table's fixed, but they're all standing up. And so, like, the episode ends with Red still not having fixed the damn table. Right. So what did you think of? I think this episode is is interesting. It tackles an interesting topic. Yeah, it tackles sexism. And in this episode, it was pretty obvious what was wrong with it. But I actually liked a lot of little things, little details
0: in there. I like that um, Donna is not put off by how feminine Eric is. The only Ooh, person yeah. put off by how feminine Eric is, is Eric. And his friends, but, like, they don't count. I wouldn't even call him feminine. He's not feminine. The, he's just they, not their mask It's their version of feminine because yeah. he doesn't work out and he's scrawny and he doesn't win against her at basketball. Even Fez calls him a wimp. And Fez is not a very developed character Wolves. right now. Yeah. He's just kind of there for, like, you know, immigrant quips. But even he turns to Eric and is like, "You're a wuss because you can't beat Don at basketball." Don is like nine feet tall. Like, obviously, she's good at basketball. She's got long limbs and she's broader than Eric. Like, of course, she's gonna box him out in defense. Like, let's be real here. (laughs) Are these sports words? No, (laughs) I just made them up. This is this is my lingo. I think box out is a real thing. That sounds real. I'm just kidding. Oh, you really don't watch sports, huh? No, that's fine. I want to circle back because we're talking about bread on the table. One of my favorite parts is when Kitty's like, we'll get a sugar packet we'll put it under the table. And he's like, that's what's wrong with this country. Nobody wants to roll up their sleeves and work. They're all looking for their sugar packet. Not me. I'm going to go get my saw. And then, like six minutes later, you're at the Pinciotti house, and um, Bob's like, Bob's oh, this getting table's wobbling. Work. He's let's
1: like, put a sugar packet oh, under it. You gotta get a sugar packet under this table, it's a little wobbly. I thought that was a really fun juxtaposition between the two families. And it's such a dig, like, even though Red is not present to enjoy it's that so dig. Like, yeah. It's such a dig at what kind of a man. It is a good burn, right? We're that supposed to. Is, yes. It tells us about what kind of a man he is.
0: Right. So, I re- that was actually one that made me laugh the hardest in the
1: episode, because I was like, let's stick a sugar packet so under it. Um, Oh, I totally left out, like, we almost got to it, where after Kitty is giving Eric the advice, she then goes and intentionally breaks the garage Mm -hmm. to get Red away from her refrigerator. I understand, though. Sometimes you have to sacrifice the garage for the fridge, you know? I I don't think she gives a shit about the garage, but she, she, I think that shows a level of understanding of her husband. Yeah, and She's like, all right. I can't." At least she knows the man that she married. Yeah, you know? she's like, I can't make him stop fixing shit, but I can make him reprioritize what he's right. fixing to get him away from my things. Um, I think that's like a,
0: Red is such an every generation dad. Red reminds me so much of my own dad. Like it makes really? me sick. It makes me sick sometimes.
1: Like, like in a good much. way? Or a no, good in a great way. way. My
0: okay. dad isn't as cold. So like he's definitely more willing to tell both of us, my brother and I, that he loves us. But so, like, in a sense of, like, no one wants to work and roll up their sleeves, back in my day, like, uh, that type of stuff is what I, like, really picture. So whenever I watch the show, I always imagine my dad telling me he's going to put his foot in my ass. (laughs) If you're
1: listening again, hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Sorry for making you sound like a monster. Oh, my mom was a little salty about how much I talk about her, and I'm just like, you know what?
0: You're You're my favorite person in
1: the world, and I'm going (laughs) to talk about you. I wasn't so, going to go there. Jesus, mom. I wasn't going to say that much, but I was going to say, like, you're in my life. You're a major part of my experiences. I've run everything by you. <laughs> so, like, naturally, if I've experienced a thing, you were probably there for it. Um, I think in a
0: weird, sexist sense, what Donna goes through in this episode is a coming-of-age story every woman has been told. Mmm. Yeah. You can't do that. You're going to scare off the boys. We'll never marry you off at this rate. Like, I feel like it's just, like, a thing where, like... She has to be weaker than men in order for men to find her attractive. And there's a point in which...
1: Yep, as a loud and confident five foot 200-pound woman who can linear leg press 567 pounds and has been single for way too long, I really identify with this.
0: There's a point in which an older woman in your life, whether it's your grandmother or your aunt or whoever, your mom, tells you that little bit of information and you're like, wait, what? And I think that's the moment for most girls in which you kind of see your first glimpse of sexism in like... The real world, because mm, so. up until that point, when you're a kid, like you're kind of like, I can do what boys do. I can play basketball. I can do this. I can play. I can wrestle. I can play catch. I can. And then there's that one person
1: who comes into your life and is like, the boys, they don't want to marry boys. They want to marry girls. You know what I mean? I can't remember if that moment ever actually happened externally or if that was an internal thing. I'm not going to name the person because my brother listens to this podcast, but um, someone did say
0: to me as a kid. One of my best friends growing up was this kid Joe, and we played baseball together, and mm-hmm. we were on the same team because back in the day they didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I was, he actually went on to pitch for AAA Dodgers, but in the beginning I was bigger and I grew faster than him, so I could throw the ball a little bit faster, and not by a lot either.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, I remember my someone turning to me and just being like, no one wants to marry someone who's better than them at sports. And I was like, I'm seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like actually... So I feel like that's, like, actually, and I'm not sure if they really even meant that or kind of even if the writers knew that every girl has that shitty, negative coming-of-age story.
1: It could be. I'm thinking about my upbringing, and my dad definitely encouraged me to... He definitely said, like, if some boy ever wants to play doctor, you should just deck him. Like, that. those were the words that were said to that's me. That's fair. Of like, lay him out. Like, don't let any little... Fuck him up. Fuck him up. And so I was encouraged to 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 be oh, be strong and be big. also I'm a I was head and shoulders taller than every boy until about ninth grade. I think I hit like five five in like third grade. I was taller than
0: the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible it's just, but how tall are you now? five nine Word.
1: I stopped growing in like eighth grade, I was done. yeah, yeah, and I think I hit 5'11 in about ninth grade.
0: Yeah, by high school I was done growing. I was like just
1: one of the monsters from Space Jam. And Donna is definitely a monster too. I, I relate to her
0: a lot, even though I feel... It, it really annoyed me that at the end of the episode she apologizes to Eric first. That really got under my fucking skin. She shouldn't have done that. No. Don't compromise yourself for whiny piss baby foreplay. All right? I'm tired of <laughs> Eric Foreman. I'm so tired of him.
1: I was definitely... You still have me thinking. I haven't moved on. It was more recent, the time when someone told me that I needed to be more feminine. It was, like, a year or two ago, and it was a supervisor at work. And it's a female supervisor, because you're saying it's always an older woman, who took me aside after a meeting and said, the way you present your ideas is so aggressive. Like, it's really intimidating to some of the men, and you need to, like, you should be really more careful about how you speak. And I actually told her, and... Props to me for this little dig is like, um, so I I understand that in previous generations, I was calling her old. In previous generations, it was expected that women just Roll over and let men take control. Took notes, yeah. But uh, that's not how this works for me. I don't believe in that. I'm. If I have an idea, I'm going to say my idea. I'm not going to couch it with I feel or I think or what about? Like no. I'm. If I am certain, if I am sure, I'm going to speak with certainty and surety. And that's who I am. I'm not going to feminize myself. I just To feel be like more acceptable no, and palatable to the men around
0: me. There's no, like, rules about feminism. Like, I just feel like you can be as feminine or as masculine as you want to be. Like, what's what's the big fucking deal? Like, I, if I don't wear a dress, I still have a vagina, you know? Like, I just, I think that the...
1: Oh, God. So, this is bringing up so much for me right now. The other day, like, it was a big event at work, and so I looked nice. Sometimes I clean up. And one of the older male people who work here said to me oh, you look so nice when you dress like a lady. And I wanted to scratch his eyes out. And the worst part is, like, those people think that that's a compliment. And I just kept They walking. think that they're complimenting yeah. you.
0: And it's, ah. Oh. So I look like shit every other day of the week. Thank you. Have a great day, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, his name is not Howard. I, but. I, I, may, I name people that, you know, according to their gender and race usually, but, especially white men, because that was definitely a white man who said that to you. No? I'm stunned! I'm so stunned. That's all we need to know, but I'm so stunned. White men love doing that shit. They really do. They love that. They're like, oh, you didn't ask for my opinion?
1: Let me give it to you anyway. Here it is, (laughs) bitch. Let me give it to you anyway. Well, Um, that's the show. (laughs) Right?
0: But yeah, Donna gets nothing but advice from the women in her life that she has to seem weak and like a damsel, and I would cut those women out of my life. I would not be friends with Jackie after she
1: was like, "You have to lose, Donna." But it's also so interesting to me because then Jackie is so clearly in control of the situation with Michael. Like she is, she's like, "Come here, like apologize to me for this thing." And And in this episode,
0: he tries to man up, and he fails at it. Completely fails, and he
1: fails. And she's in complete control of that situation. We also learned that Midge Mm -hmm. is actually in control of the situation. Midge, though, it's on and off because there's going to be a
0: point later on where she's like, wait, I can withhold sex and I'll get my bathroom painted? So, like, I don't ever take anything with Midge too seriously because they change her stance all the time. That's she's not true. like Kitty, Jackie, and Donna in which that she has a an opinion on yeah. something and it's direct and through. She's just stupid. Like, that's what she's there for It's just to be, like, in uh, this comedic episode, relief. But yeah, but she says what she does in this episode, but it is
1: later on. Just In this episode, the way she is written in, in this one is... It seems a lot more intentional. It seems a lot more manipulative of, like, I need you to open this can of pickles for me or this yeah. jar of pickles for me. Which, by the way, Midge had literally just opened. I noticed that for the first time when I rewatched this last night while prepping for the episode. And then just the way that she says, oh, honey, men don't control the world. That seems, that seems like she gets what's going on. Yeah. And I know that the writers will change her later. Right. But in this moment, I actually yeah. kind of appreciated that, that... It's it's one of those, I think, another, this is another experience that still holds over today for women. You make the best of the situation you are in, and you play the game as far as you have to play the game to get what you need. And so she sort of has accepted that to make Bob feel like the man in the house, <laughs> she's got to play a game, but in the end she like gets some of the things that she wants to.
0: Yeah, I understand. I just feel like in a more healthy relationship, nobody would have to play games, but...
1: Here's you would have to not keep score. Kitty knows what she's talking about. She does. You shouldn't play games, and if so you do play games, in the, don't in the wall of keep, garage. don't keep score. Uh, what else? What other good sexist moments? Well, let's talk about how they treat Kelso, because we're talking a lot about how Donna has to like is being told to adjust her behavior. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's and the same thing some- is happening
1: to Kelso. Men are also the victims of sexism and gender expectations. For sure.
0: They expect Kelso, in a sense, to like blow Jackie off and be in control,
1: and he's just not. And that's where they question his manliness, even though it's clear that in this cisgender heterosexual relationship, he is the man.
0: But like Hyde and Fez, you don't see them with a girl for like. Ever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It does take a while. Yeah,
0: it does. And yet, their masculinity isn't questioned. Sure, they make fun of Fez for being a virgin and a pervert, but they never say he's less of a man for it. So it's interesting. I just, almost, I think though that all of the like, it's just a good example though that young men are kind of poisoned by society, mm-hmm. just just the same.
1: Ooh, ooh, I just had an idea. Talking about Fez and Hyde being single and how that's acceptable—that's not a ding on their masculinity. Bachelorhood is perfectly acceptable, and it is in fact, preferred to being seen as being whipped by your woman i e being emasculated. However, for women, being an old maid is such a problem is yeah. such a negative that it's almost they better to down for that. Too. It's almost better to be in a bad relationship than to be an old maid. And so just the expectations are completely different. Like you cannot be single as a woman, but it's totally fine to be single as a man. And it's just, it's so messed up. I feel like their ideals of
0: um, the sexes are very poisoned, which is why they think that Kelso can't call his girlfriend back and, you know, like, why he shouldn't do what she wants to do. Like, what's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a healthy relationship at all. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, what's wrong with him wanting to hang out and please his girlfriend? There's nothing wrong with that. That's um, That's called being a
1: considerate partner. It's just funny how... (laughs) But also, teenagers these days aren't necessarily the most considerate of partners either. No. So it's not just a 70s thing? No. It's a generational thing, for sure. I kind of feel bad for Jackie. Why?
0: Because she's not in the group yet. And, like, in the upcoming episodes, we're going to see them do things, like, to make her feel part of the group so that they can, like, build up off of, like, something that she has. I f- like, I hate these episodes in which, like, they're shitting on Jackie because she's not their friend yet. Like, they're just kind of shitting on her because she's Kelso's girlfriend. Mm. So I long for the moment in which Jackie is part of the group. It makes the joke seem a little bit more fair. Yeah. Right now you're just kind of picking on a 14-year-old girl, but eventually then you're just picking on your friend. Like, I feel like that's a big difference
1: mm. between being mean and, you know, being a fun. friend. <laughs> <laughs> So back to talking about sexism, there is a huge cultural reference that is being made in this episode that we definitely have to get into. The reference, of course, is about how Donna and Eric, a girl and a boy, are battling about who is better at the sport. The original Battle of the Sexes, which the title of this episode is clearly making a play on, happened in 1973, and it was all about tennis, which is kind of perfect timing because today is the uh, women's final for the U.S. Open right now. But um, 1973, Battle of the Sexes, it was about Billie Jean King, who I just found out is the ex-wife of the world's oldest man, Larry King. So Billie Jean was in a competition against, what was his name? Bobby Riggs, right? Who, it's important
0: to mention, was on the decline of his tennis stardom. Oh, he was? I didn't know that.
1: That's, Interesting. Why, he, that's
0: why he kind of agreed to do it. Because it was going to be like woman. boost him right. a little bit? And
1: he thought he was going to win. Interesting. Well, mediocre men always think they're going to win, let's be honest. <laughs> but the impetus for that moment was that Billie Jean King and another tennis player, female tennis player, Gladys Heldman, um, they were in a tennis tournament, and the organizer said that the top women's prize was an eighth, that is one over eight of the value of the top men's prize, even though they had sold an equal or greater number of tickets as the men's competition. And they're like, WTF mate that is not fair. That is not equal. And so and so, basically, like when Billie Jean King was really upset about the inequalities in tennis, Bobby Riggs made a claim that the women's game was so inferior to the men's game that even someone as old as himself could beat the current top female players. And so he challenged and defeated Margaret Court. And so then King, who had previously rejected challenges from him, accepted it um, to play him for $100,000 winner take all. So it turned into this big press tour. It turned into a big deal. And know she kicked his ass. She sure did. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that I think is the perfect title for this episode. Yeah.
0: And what's great, though, is it isn't Battle of the Sexes. It's Battle of the Sexists.
1: Yeah. And I love that even more. I love the play on it. Because Donna does kick his ass in not just one sport, but two. Like all of them. All of the sports. Genuinely, generally in life, she just beats Eric. She's so much better than he is. Why is she like him? I don't know. I th- makes no she sense. must have low self-esteem. Mm. That might be it.
0: That's the only reason I can think of. Or date Point one. Place is
1: just so small that that's literally no, her only option. No, there's other guys in the group. There's Hyde. Right, she could have dated Hyde. Which actually, they get into that in a later episode. It's That should have been the way it went
0: rather than it with Jackie, but whatever. We'll get there when we get there. We'll a get second there before.
1: when we get there. But also, and I guess this is all cycling back to the rest of the conversation. We as we're recording this just found out that Serena Williams lost at the US Open. How do you feel about that, Britt? You know, I don't
0: mind that she lost. She lost to, I think, someone from Japan, and it's this woman's first US Open Aww, ever. Cute. Which is great. But what we were talking about was the fact that they put restrictions on what Serena Williams can wear onto the court, which is like a huge thing that's been going on. There was recently a thing where a guy won and ripped off his shirt at, the, at a tennis final mm. and was not fined and was not removed from the court, even though that is unsportsmanlike behavior. It's showboating, which you're not allowed to do in any professional sport, really. And um, a woman got hot while playing, had not even won yet, and took off her shirt to re- play in her sports bra, and they, they ejected her from the game, and she lost. Um, what I was annoyed about was we were talking about in this episode how women need to be more feminine and there's kind of like a thing and rules that they have to follow whether they're spoken or not. And I think Serena Williams in 2018 is a great example of still going through that because they would not tell a male tennis star, like, you can't wear that tank top because your Ripley muscle arms are hanging out. And Serena Williams is so intimidating to everyone by being the best athlete of all time because it's terrifying to almost everyone that it's a black woman. Yeah. So they're trying to slow her down. And that's just... This ties she into could go so out there and play in a fucking clown costume, and she would still murder these motherfuckers.
1: It's so it's so real because, and that also ties into racism and sexism and how these two things intersect so 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 much of how Black women are perceived and. There's been so much written and so much commentary about Serena Williams. They call, they say that she looks like a man. Yeah. They say that she has arms like a man and legs like a man, and she, they are constantly and by they, it's like I mean they're forgetting the that white media. She can beat up all of these motherfuckers, and it's just. Saying that because she is muscular and talented and such an incredible athlete, the best of all time, the Serena best of all time, is she's the, the fucking best goat. athlete of all time, greatest of all time. She's, she's a goat. better than Tom Brady, and I hope all the, yo. If any of you want
0: to come fight me on this, my Twitter username is I underscore M underscore Awesome. Come find me. Tom Brady sucks or not, um, he does, and he cheats off the Jets, and he deflated all those footballs for, to win the Super Bowl. Fuck Tom Brady, and he's friends with Donald a certain Trump. Person in the Donald White House. Trump. And he abandoned his first girlfriend when she was pregnant to get with Giselle, whatever the fuck her name is. Fuck
1: Tom Brady. Anyway. We digress. (laughs) But that Serena is such an incredible athlete, but because of her strength and her capability, that makes her less of a woman. I think it's also absolutely wild that it's, like,
0: to the white media that she's also black. It's always intimidating when a woman of any color is strong and big and whatever, but it is she's fighting a whole other separate battle
1: because she's black. And for this episode's music break, Brittany is gonna tell us all about West Side Story. God, oh my God, oh my God! Donna, it's for you. (laughs) (laughs) You beat Eric at basketball. How could that happen? So I beat Eric at basketball, what's the big deal? Eric will never be your boyfriend if you keep beating him at stuff. Okay, it is like in West Side Story. Now if Maria beat Tony at one-on-one, They would have never fallen in love. Yeah, and Tony never would have been killed in that knife fight. (laughs) And neither will Eric if you're not careful.
0: So, to start this off, West Side's story is Romeo and Juliet, but with street gangs. Um... I originally only watched this movie because number one, uh, I live with a homosexual. And number two, because one year when the VMAs were brought back to New York City, they were themed after the movie one year. And I swear, Gabe's supporter of Cobra Starship was snapping along to uh, your jet, Manhattan Street, in a commercial. So my brother and I absolutely had to watch the movie. The soundtrack, though, spent 51 weeks at the number one spot, which was record-breaking. Many people attribute that accomplishment with MJ's Thriller. However, his was recorded on mono-stereo, so the record and the uh, achievements are a little different. A lot of people casted to play a major singing role had no singing talent. Their voices were often dubbed by the original Broadway cast to ensure it sounded absolutely perfect for audiences. Some of the most well-known songs from this play and movie are America, a song about how much better of life you could have in America, which is pretty ironic considering America's long-lasting distaste for immigrants of color. The song goes through the expectations of coming to the U.S. and the actual harsh reality Hispanic immigrants faced. Another is I Feel Pretty, which I know every word to from my brother singing drunk in the bathtub. (laughs) An absolute audience pleaser is tonight. In the movie, it is sung by all different groups throughout the cast, and the lyrics are applying to all of the different dilemmas and plans that each group is going through. But many people still to this day quote the lyrics from Jet song. Once you're a jet, you're a jet all the way, from your first cigarette to your last dying day. I guess the second thing I absolutely have to bring up here is that Christopher Walken definitely murdered Natalie Wood, and there's nothing anybody can say to change my mind. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. Have you researched the death of Natalie Wood? Uh, yes, I do know about okay. it. Okay, Christopher Walken did it. He's the one who fucking did it, and there's nothing on earth. And he, I saw that man in person. He is the most terrifying human being I've ever had an experience with. Someone was like, can I take a picture with you? And he was like standing there signing, he's like, take the picture, take the picture. <laughs> and I was like, this man murdered that poor bitch on the back of a boat. Um, that has nothing to do with music, just something I had to throw in there, you know? Um, however, it is my belief though, that Rita Moreno was a national treasure, and we must protect her at all costs. Um, if you haven't, I recommend everybody checks out one day at a time on Netflix. She plays a grandmother on that sitcom show and it faces some really real shit people go through with the Trump administration. They're all Cubans and Puerto Ricans, so they deal with racism. The granddaughter comes out as gay, like they deal, they touch up on a lot of awesome shit, and Rita Moreno was so excited to play a role that kind of catapulted her into this century rather than one where, we'll get into, she had to wear blackface for. Um, West Side Story was nominated for 11 Academy Awards in 1962 and won 10, including Best Picture. It's the award-winning record holder for musical. I think it's most important to discuss the reception of the movie in America at the time. It was the first time Hispanics had seen themselves portrayed in a widespread instance on the big screen, even if they were mainly gang members and even if only some of the cast portraying Puerto Ricans were actually Puerto Ricans. So... West Side Story is about the Pol- the Polish people against the Puerto Ricans, and most of the people on the cast were not either. Like, they didn't go and get Polish people, they didn't go and get Puerto Ricans. However, Rita Moreno is Puerto Rican, but she is a white Puerto Rican, and that was her term, not mine. So, they made her put on, like, a mud mask to look more Puerto Rican, because they didn't <laughs> think she looked Puerto Rican enough. Um, the whitewashing should absolutely be addressed, and I don't think, if the movie was made today, that it would be quite as successful even though this musical did pave the way for many other musicals because Hollywood didn't think that there would be a good response or that it would be easy to portray a Broadway-like stage onto a movie screen. But they were also completely and utterly like, we're not casting a bunch of Puerto Ricans, for real. Um, The individuals portraying the separate races obviously aren't those races, and a lot of it had to do with the poor representation in Hollywood at the time, but it also had to do with the racism America was obsessed with in the 60s. Natalie Wood literally looks like she's in blackface, which today would cause quite the stir. And I guess what I didn't realize while I was doing research is when you look at the movie poster, it's so obvious that Natalie Wood is in blackface, but not really Rita Moreno. And then they, they put a photo of her side by side, like one of her headshots, and then her in the movie, and I was like... I could not believe how much darker they had made her face. Like it looks like she rubbed coffee grinds on her face. Okay. Um, I think for this very specific reason, though, the movie loses its effect. Rita Mer- Moreno mentions that she asked the makeup artist for the movie why she had to put the brown makeup on. It was heavy and it felt like mud. He asked her if she was racist. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, why? You don't want to do this? Why? Because you're racist?" And she was, I, I don't, and she didn't tell him this, but I think he kind of missed the point that he was the one, a little adding to the racism there. Um, She said that she understood that Puerto Ricans were not just one color on a spectrum, but could actually be an entire spectrum of colors on their own. She said that
1: um, it was a different time, and if ever presented with a project like that today, she would turn it down. Cool. Thanks, Britt. There's a lot in there that I did not know, but now I'm going to take over and teach a little bit more about something else. So the other Hollywood musical that is referenced in this episode is Flower Drum Song. Um, it's the 1961 film adaptation of the 1958 Rodgers and Hammerstein Broadway show, which itself was an adaptation of the 1957 novel by Chinese-American writer C.Y. Lee. Since I'm doubting many of our generation have heard of this film, let alone seen it, including Brittany, which is why I'm timing <laughs> in, I will give you a quick yeah, recap. I'll take it.
0: I've never even heard of it until that 70 show, by the way.
1: Well. Don't look at me. About to learn. <laughs> so the story is of a young woman named Mei Lee who has illegally immigrated to San Francisco from China with her father. When they reach San Francisco, Chinatown, they seek out the Fong family because Mei has been promised to their son Sammy in an arranged marriage. Sammy is a generally good guy. Um, he runs a nightclub, but he's already in a relationship with his leading showgirl, Linda Lowe. So Sammy tries to dissolve the arrangement by pawning Mei Lee off on the one- Wang family, who is also looking for a girl to marry their son, Wang Ta. It seems like it's working, however, after finding out about the arranged marriage between Sammy and May, Linda begins flirting with Wang Ta, in a ploy to make Sammy jealous. Wang Ta falls for Linda, and when May Lee finds out about that, she decides to marry Sammy after all, and everyone is fucking miserable. So, shenanigans ensue, cultural traditions are bemoaned, pride is lost, and hearts are broken, before the film comes to a predictable and happy close, where everyone marries the right person. So, About this movie, although the score of Flower Drum Song did not produce many hits, there is one track that has stuck around and been covered and sampled by many artists. I Enjoy Being a Girl. In the film, the song is performed by Nancy Kwan in her role as Linda Lowe. Although Nancy Kwan didn't actually sing a single note for the film, and all of her songs were dubbed by BJ Baker, who was a Caucasian singer. That's who, very
0: common, I feel, for these movies.
1: Yeah, it really is. Like, like if, they they
0: hired people for like their the, looks the look. rather than their talent. So the same with the, um, this one, the and other West one. Story, yeah. They had the Broadway actors had to come in and do it. Precisely it weird.
1: So BJ Baker, a Caucasian singer, her previous experience performing was with Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, and Sam Cooke, So like she was Legit, and she rocked the shit out of all of Linda Lowe's songs. Right. Um, But so this song. I enjoy being a girl. The song comes at the point where Linda has succeeded in luring Wang Ta into dating her so that she can make Sammy jealous. The lyrics support the title. Linda enjoys all the ways she is feminine and feels validated when her femininity is reflected back at her by an adoring and masculine man. She feels gratified and powerful in how she uses her hair, lips, eyes, and hips to draw men in. It's an interesting look into gender roles and my initial response is to think, "Wow, that's like so anti-feminist." But the root of feminism is that women should be be allowed to be whatever kind of woman they want to be, it's so I will let it slide, I guess. Uh, but I Enjoy Being a Girl is also a really great song to compare to West Side Stories, I Feel Pretty. Both songs are sung by girls who are enjoying what it feels like to have the love and adoration of a man. Linda is older and more experienced in love than Maria is, so she has more intention and agency in her song, but the effect is the same. The love and attention of men make these women feel more feminine. The reason why Flower Drum Song as a movie is so important and is valuable critical comparison to West Side Story is that it was released in this exact same year and it actually cast non-white people for non-white roles, unlike West Side Story as Britney just talked about. It was the first major Hollywood feature film to have a majority Asian cast in a contemporary Asian-American story. The next time that would happen was in 1993's film adaptation of The Joy Luck Club, and following that, the most recent one, was this year's box office smash Crazy Rich Asians. Side note, I think it's actually really interesting that all three of those majority Asian films are based off of books. It's almost like Hollywood doesn't know how to just make something original that stars minority actors. Huh. They have heard like- about
0: it on what's on Netflix, too, To All the Boys I Loved yeah. Before. So they tried for about probably like 16 different networks. Netflix was their last one that they didn't want to go to. Mm-hmm. And they were the only people that it, like adhered to their thing, that it was an Asian girl that had to be casted because it was that's who it was intended for. Yeah. And Netflix was the last option, and they were the only ones that were like... Whoever you want to cast, you can cast. But and it's let's fucking fantastic.
1: It. And I may or may not be slightly unhealthily obsessed with Noah Centineo, but that is for oh my for- god, I'm tired oh of god, hearing but this. But I don't care. He's so adorable. Uh-huh. I'm getting off track, but but like it really is. And that's another example. That movie was based off of a book written by an Asian American person. So it's like Hollywood doesn't know how to just be creative and invent a story for Asian people. They have to wait until a non-white author writes something awesome and then Hollywood will buy the rights to that work. It's like, come on, Hollywood. You can get with it. Just write something for Asian people. It's not God that forbid. hard. Or hire Asian writers. Oh, you're getting Whoa. crazy now. But anyway, Flower Drum Song was and is a huge deal for minority representation to have ethnic roles actually filled by actors of that ethnicity, not just white actors in makeup. And so Flower Drum Song did that really beautifully with only two exceptions. One, African-American actress Juanita Hall plays Madame Liang, like an older auntie figure. But I'm really not that bothered by it because at least she was a person of color. But it is also interesting because Juanita Hall had already been typecast as Asian Mm -hmm. passing as a Black American woman. She played a Pacific Islander in both the Broadway and film productions of South Pacific. Mm -hmm. So that was, to me, really interesting to learn about. Two, even though all the roles are very clearly for Chinese Americans, that's literally the point and the plot of this story, there were two Japanese actors cast in this film, which doesn't really help with breaking down the stereotype that all East Asians are interchangeable. But it was Hollywood in the early 60s, so it's still an incredible feat by the standards of that time. And another thing that I learned, that there were other shows at that time that had Asian characters, but because this movie had sort of hired literally every single Asian person in Hollywood, they were forced to put white people in yellow face for those other films because all the Asian actors were booked. Oh, wow. So that's, that, that's how few Asian actors yeah, there were. Yeah, there were at that point, right? At that, that time, all time in Hollywood. but all busy. of them were busy in this movie. So, all that said, Flower Drum Song is an underrated classic that was made the same year as West Side Story and was actually better cast, but it has fallen by the wayside of pop culture's memory. At the 1962 Oscars, Flower Drum Song was nominated in five categories, art direction, cinematography, costume, music for the scoring of a musical, and sound, and lost to West Side Story in every single one of them. In 2008, Flower Drum Song was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, which seems to be about as much lasting attention as it's going to get. This music break was brought to you mostly by Wikipedia, but also our own innate dorkiness. And listeners can hear the songs that we've mentioned and a few extras on our Spotify playlist, That 70s Showdown. We hope you check it out. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Okay, back to our discussion. So where do we start? We got to talk about Eric in the dress. Oh my God, yeah. I want to talk about this so bad. Let's do it. So after
0: playing air hockey... Which, as you mentioned before, Eric only agrees to play because he thinks Don is bad at it. She whoops his ass, and then the end. They pan away, and then they pan back, and it's Eric in a floral dress.
1: It's not floral. It's like yellow or green or something. Why did I think it was floral? I don't know. But he's got feathered hair like Farrah Fawcett, and it's incredible. It's like so femme.
0: I <laughs> was a kid I really wanted my hair. He's wearing, wearing that.
1: jewelry too.
0: He has earrings on, yeah. Yeah. Like big old grandma earrings too. They're not even like
1: Yeah, and I think like a necklace of some sort, a butterfly necklace. I don't know. I could be completely describing this wrong, but in my memory of this scene, that's what he's wearing. A yellow um, like tie dress.
0: But go off, I guess. I want to hear what you think about that.
1: Oh, the part where they show him in a dress. That is just that goes back to who's wearing the pants in the relationship. That whole concept of the in a relationship, there needs to be a man and a woman or a masculine figure and a feminine figure. And that's, we know now, is not true, but that was sort of the the frame of mind then. But it's just, why can't he see Donna being strong and still see that as part of her femininity? Right. Because it's the 70s. That's why he can't see it. Right. And so putting him in a dress when he's losing is insulting all women. I think my note on that was like Eric's in a dress because apparently that's what happens
0: when you lose to a girl. Right. And I just like, I think, I don't know, but again, I think it plays into like this toxic thing that all people of, not all people, but most people of that generation were raised with. That's why they think, you know, mm-hmm. Eric has to wear a dress if he gives Donna any ounce of power. Even though, as we know, it's when you go on with their relationship, Donna has a lot of power.
1: All the power. Right. But it's just, it's going into you throw like a girl, you run like a girl, you play like a girl, you play ball like a girl. Girl. And yet this girl is kicking his ass. Right. So, like, isn't that actually a good thing then? Wouldn't maybe you, Eric should play like Donna. Yeah, maybe Eric should play like a girl. So what do you think that says about the 90s? And what they mm. thought of women? I don't know. I, I have some thoughts, but I'm still, like, pulling them together. What do you think? Um, I think it's it's it matches the time. Um, the 90s, obviously. What's
0: weird about the 90s is how divided of a decade it is because... I remember as a kid, I was reading an interview that Jerry Hall out the Spice Girls did. She mm-hmm. was like, Well, that's why I say girl power or this. Yes, or I was that. that's what I was
1: gonna bring up. That that was, was the like, girl power decade. Right.
0: She was like, There was no she's like, feminism's a dirty word. You know, there's no great um, like alternative to using that word. So that's why, you know, we do girl power and blah 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 and that kind of stuff. So I think that's interesting is that feminism or yeah, like it's it's been a dirty word for so
1: long. And that's but, true still today. There are a lot of people who do not identify and do not like the word feminist. There's so many celebrities who will be like, well, I'm not a feminist, but I believe in equal. Like,
0: then you are a feminist. Like, so that, like that's literally that the definition. <laughs> um, but I think that was very normal in the 90s was just still, everything was very centered around men still. Mm-hmm. Turn of the millennium, I think we would see a lot more women pro things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very, like, normal for the time. A lot of other sitcoms that you watch, is the same
1: thing. Putting a man in a dress?
0: Yeah. On Friends, when they want to dehumanize Ross when he's a child, mm-hmm. they bring up the fact that he used to dress up and have tea parties. Oh, my gosh. And he used to right. put on his mom's bonnet and her clip-on earrings and all this other stuff. Like, it, it it's definitely happened in a bunch of other shows. Boy Meets mm-hmm. World as well. There's an episode where Corey is in a dress, I'm pretty sure. Or Eric and Sean are. I don't remember. Mm-hmm.
1: Next show, we're gonna rewatch all of those shows. That's fine. Talk about them. That's great. That's our that's our next podcast. Next podcast (laughs) is just
0: nine hours of us talking about Boy Meets World. Oh, I could do
1: that. I could do that too. (laughs) But it's yes, the nineties, it was it was so full of girl power. I feel like everything, all of the marketing. It was very deep though. Wasn't it? I just I remember it being Maybe it wasn't deep, but it was everywhere. It was widespread. It was everywhere, but it was not in depth. It was very shallow. I remember watching television, all of the ads were about that. Like, the Be Aggressive chant. There was an ad specifically about trying to get girls to play sports. And I remember that's when... um, Did you ever see the New York Liberty play? Yeah. I went to... All the time. Women's basketball. I played girls
0: basketball, so that was how they kept us interested, was taking us to WNBA games at the Garden. Mia Hamm ripping her shirt off and exposing her sports bra is ingrained in my memory for the rest of my life.
1: Right? and just like Even as someone who did not play sports or have any interest in STEM areas, I still have these very specific memories of the 90s of, like, women and girls being encouraged to go for everything. Of Like, you need to... You can be a scientist. You can play sports. Like, you should do all these things. Girl power, girl power, girl power. you can do everything that boys can do. That was 100% a part of my youth growing up. It was never a question. Like, I actually remember... Being at a relative's house, and these are some pretty religious relatives, and I don't remember how it came up, but I said, men and women are equal. And my aunt said to me, no, they're not, honey. And I didn't know how to respond to that at the time because I was a child, but now I kind of But would, there
0: you go. There's your moment that I, I was talking about I before. guess that
1: was my moment, but I didn't accept it. And I didn't listen to it, and I wish I could have asked her because I still don't know, does she mean that in a realist sense of, like, we are not currently equal or as in we are not equal because God didn't make us equal. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she meant by that. Maybe it's better that you don't. I don't, yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to know either. I'm kind of relieved that you don't know. I, but I feel like it's we... I, I, it's the latter, I, for yeah, sure, but... That we aren't equal because we're not supposed to be equal. So we
0: discussed it in the time period that it was written, but do you think it's a modern woke or 70s joke? I'm gonna say modern joke, 70s woke till the day I die. I'm never gonna get it right. <laughs> and and then it. I just got it right that one time, and in my head I was like, that was wrong. So I'm just gonna
1: kick you under the table every time you fuck it up. So Well, you're taking up all the leg room, so I guess you could. I'm sorry that my legs are longer than yours. Sorry, not sorry.
0: By two inches. Get over it. Now we sound <sighs> like men arguing about a couple inches, all right? Hey. <laughs> I'm killing it today, guys. I'm killing it. So is it woke? Is it a joke? It's not a good joke and it's very it's not very woke either. So it just sucks all around. I think like if I wanted to incorporate someone who was whiny and pathetic, I would just use Eric Foreman. no dress needed.
1: Yeah, he didn't need the dress, but I guess that it is I would say it's it is a 70s joke. It's a joke because it's that's so clearly how he it's a sees 90s himself joke too. It's a 90s joke too. It, it's so clearly how he sees himself, whether or not it's correct. That is what he is feeling. And so that's very real for him, but the fact that that is reality is kind of a big old joke on society. Mm-hmm. Like, we've played ourselves. We have played ourselves so well. Congratulations, you played yourself. Eric Foreman.
0: DJ Khaled won't
1: perform oral sex on his wife. He's canceled. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sexism is bad, y'all.
0: Canceled. Okay. Okay. Um No, yeah, I don't think it was. It. I feel like though it's also something that we might see, maybe not in twenty eighteen, but like past five, seven years.
1: Mm, where do you see it? Where would you, Where would it have come? I just up? feel Give like an example. almost. Let me think.
0: I just feel like it's very common for them to like what we like something to to portray a male character as weaky, he, he's feminine. And if we were not recording right now, I'd have sixteen examples. But the fact that I'm on the spot, I have none.
1: So this week, our burn of the week goes to... Midge! And what for?
0: Because uh, she fucking owns Donna. <laughs> Donna's like...
1: That's what the Equal Rights Amendment is for. That's good, dear. You stick to your principles. And 40 years from now, you can tell all your cats how you want a basketball game. <laughs> I think it was just such a hilarious, hilarious moment. I think it's such a mom-daughter
0: moment. Not many people can drag you like that, like your mom can.
1: Yeah, because, like, mom's been there. Mom knows. So thanks, Midge, and thanks to moms everywhere who really know how to make those sick burns land. Where would we be without you? That's it for this week's episode of That
0: 70s Showdown. Next week, in episode 5, we'll be covering shitty first jobs, Peter Frampton, minimum wage, and Tina Pinciotti conspiracy theories. Hey! Thanks for listening to That 70 Showdown. Today's episode was researched, produced, and edited by Louisa Warshaw. Our logo was designed by Annie Daly. For more information about this episode and other episodes, please go to our website, thatshowdownpodcast.com. There you'll find show notes about every episode and links to our Spotify playlist. If you love listening to us, please tell your circle about it. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, too, at That 70 Showdown. I want to live in America, things don't be great in America, everything's free in America, (laughs) only if you're white in America.